alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 78th annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is cody i'm driven by my pal phil how are you doing good buddy big 10 football just got the green light to go so i'm fucking excited my iowa hawkeyes are gonna probably lose quite a few games but at least i get to see them so you don't you know, have much you don't, you don't have much faith in them huh well, they're going to have a down year because we had a lot of dudes go to the NFL draft last from last season. So we had a good season last year, though. I it's was rebuilding. A, I was going to say the uh, I think it was on Monday Night Football. Noah Fant. I think he was a Hawkeye. That yes. dude tears it up. Oh, yeah. Yep. Him and Hawkinson. Hawkinson plays for Detroit. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy but, who his I don't, did I send you the picture of his ankle going the opposite direction? Oh shit! Yeah, you did. <laughs> Woo! That was a bad one, but uh, but yeah, it's maybe the Gophers will be good. I don't know, but they did have their head coach on a local pizza station commercial that I saw today, <laughs> making that cheddar. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I don't know. It's um, hopefully they can make it through the whole year. I know colleges have had a little bit of uh, a hiccup already, but. Maybe they'll maybe they'll make it through the year. I'm kind of wondering if they're starting in late October, are they still going to play all games? Yes. Well, they're going to have an eight game schedule. And then what's going to happen is there's going to be a Big Ten championship at the end of the season, like always. But this time, instead of just number one from the East playing number one from the West, they're going to go down the line. So every team is going to play on that day. So the number twos are going to play, the threes are going to play and so on. Oh, okay. Kind of yeah, like so that. So it's a nine. Yeah, I like that too. I think they should have it every year. It's a nine-game season for everybody. So there will not be any college football playoffs. There actually will be, supposedly, probably, okay, hopefully, okay. actually, hopefully. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till what December figure that out. It's mid-December that they're going to figure that out. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be buried in snow by then. Anyway, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> uh, before we get into the episode, thank you so much to all of those who have supported us on Patreon. We have just launched the Patreon at the time of this recording. Phil and I always record ahead of time and all of that. So thank you all who have joined us. I hope you enjoyed our audio watch along with Confessions of a Time Traveler, the man from 3036. Whew, that I would recommend that to everybody to watch it anyway because I don't even know what to say. It's kind of self-explanatory. The guy just puts every single uh, what would you call it, Phil? I would say he's making a meta, a meta yes. conspiracy. A meta conspiracy, absolutely right there. My favorite is the hybrid, uh, the mixture between Bezos and Bill Gates for the super corporation. Yes, yep, the merger. 
Yeah, that's my favorite. I can't remember the name of the company, but that was that was just perfect perfection. Yeah, it was a great. Uh, it was a it's a really fun uh, thing to make there, and we're actually going to be making quite a few more of those and putting those out on the Patreon. So go ahead, look that up. Uh, it's on our website. You can find us at our Patreon on www.subliminaldeception.com. Uh, yeah, you can do subliminaldeception.com. You can do bumblebuttpodcast.com. You can do weirdosunited.com. That will have a link that will take you directly to the Subliminal Deception podcast Patreon. Otherwise, you can use patreon.com forward slash subliminal deception. Patreon search bar for finding the Patreon you want to support is horrific. So, yeah, it is terrible. So don't use that. Use the website or type it in directly. What is in the conspiracy news you wanted to talk about today? Well, uh, this just popped up a couple days ago. So there's reports from a nurse out of a immigrant detention center in Georgia that apparently she's a whistleblower. Now, apparently there's been a lot of red flags that have went up about this place over the past two years, apparently since 2018. And apparently there's like really abhorrent like living conditions with the whole COVID crisis. They're not testing the detainees. They're allowing workers who have actually had COVID-19, who have even had symptoms of it, to work in the facility. Uh, They're kind of downplaying the whole situation. There's also some really horrible fucking allegations that some of the medical personnel, the gynecologist there, is actually forcing some of these detained women into getting hysterectomies, which is Jesus. really, uh, yeah, kind of harkens back to some of the old, really bad, like atrocities that have happened all over the world in this country with like eugenics yeah. back in the 20th century. A lot of the things that have happened to minorities over the centuries or decades and centuries. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was the Nazis did this to start out with, right? Yeah, there's also comparisons to the Nazi concentration camps, which a lot of people already are saying that camps are basically just like the Nazi detention camps. You know, they're making those kind of connections there without the burning pits, I suppose, but still with the horrible living conditions and the the manner in which they're detained. With ice and everything. Yeah, God, that is so fucked up. That's so. If if that stuff's true, that shit is so fucked up. Yeah, that's one thing that it's it's just it's horrible that it's going on, but it's more it's worse that like it's just allowed to keep on going. I mean, you would think that this shit would have all shut down back when the outrage started, but it's just something that even though there's outrage, it just keeps on. The wheels just keep on turning for it. Well, I mean, I there was rumors. God, I had seen them quite a long time ago about people at the at the border who were be tr- who were, were being treated very badly. Yeah, apparently that shit's still going on. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it at all. That was kind of one of President Trump's main talking points, I guess, before he got to, he got elected, right? Yeah, and the well, the sad thing is, it was he kind of inherited that whole like the immigration detention situation i guess it really had been ramped up during obama's term last term uh kind of no one really knew about it 
up until the fall of 2017. Yeah, I'd always heard that as well. That's uh, too bad, Mr. Obama. I I liked Obama, but man, that is a that and the uh, what's the other bad thing? The drone strikes. Yeah, the drone strikes were a huge thing where it was really happening. It's crazy to think how much media and how much oversight should have been happening. And all of these things, it took years for like the drone strikes. It took years for people to figure that out, like what was going on overseas. Yeah, it was. uh, We need to stop with the wars, man. It's about money, though. It's true. (laughs) There's a lot of lives depending on the deaths of poor people. So yeah, it's not going to happen. Did you say Dick Cheney? Yeah, well, Dick Cheney, that's <laughs> how it all really started back with President Wilson back in the 20s. But that's a whole nother fucking. Hey, you can't episode. disparage his name. I think he's the only president from Iowa, right? Wilson? No, he wasn't from Iowa. That was Herbert Hoover. Hoover. So, that's what yeah. it is. OK, I knew there. I knew Iowa had one person. Yeah. So the whole Wilsonian thing really kind of jump started uh, American exceptionalism and intervention in foreign dealing you know foreign affairs Mm. really started with wilson and kind of led into the shithole that we're in today so it's really it's really fucking interesting and terrible if you want to look into it but yeah yeah i guess the uh other quick thing we'll get get into here before we jump into the episode is the man busted in new jersey who I'm kind of confused if he's actually QAnon or if he is just a developer of QAnon apps that he is making money off of. They're kind of making it sound like he might have been QAnon, then developed these apps, which he is then making money off of, which is QAmap, I think, is one in QAnapp or something like that. I don't know. He just He's just a little dork. Like, he's literally <laughs> a little dork from New Jersey. So I don't know, like I could see him getting beaten up by the situation on Jersey shore. Like that's yeah. kind of what he looks like to me. I'm not really sure. I did notice cause I was trying to, I had heard about it and then I was trying to look it up for the show and like, it's very hard to find the information about him. So I don't know. Maybe there's waiting for more information about him or something. I don't really know, but I did see a, a picture of him. And yeah, he's just a little dorky dude. So if you are currently downloading QAnap, first off, you probably aren't going to like this show. Second off, you're giving this little dork from New Jersey all of your money, by the way. Just think about that. Yeah, definitely. If you've seen the the headlines of the news articles over the past few days, they definitely make it seem like he is himself QAnon. Like he is the guy. Like they got him. Well, it would fit the American narrative where you create a conspiracy theory or a problem and then you make a shitload of money off of it. And if you benefit he, from that. Yeah. yeah. If he did that, then I guess he essentially uh, completed capitalism, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that's what a lot of people think is what's going on with Trump is he's creating all these problems and then eventually he's going to get out of office and profit from all of them. So <sighs> with that, man, I would not doubt it. But anyway, Phil, uh, it looks like you're probably going to be talking about another very rich and powerful man, but uh, or family, I should say. So why don't you lead us into the episode? 
All right, let's get started with this uh, conspiracy. Let's do it. So after the fall of mercantilism and the rise of free enterprise and a focus on non-government entities controlling and expanding wealth that crossed national borders in the 19th century, many enterprising individuals began to set up business ventures that would corner markets and create wealth for themselves that hadn't been seen throughout history without the aid of an entire country's resources backing them up. In some cases, forming the kind of wealth that had previously been reserved for royal families and select nobility. Okay, so you are, is this literally the Wikipedia for capitalism, Phil? <laughs> a little bit, no. <laughs> oh, no, I promise I wrote that by myself. So, <laughs> well, with, me- a little aid, with a little aid from my research. Okay, but. so are you, you're aware that Wikipedia is a user-controlled website, so maybe... You should search up, search capitalism on there and submit <laughs> your definition of it and try to get it changed. Yeah, that would be great. Then I could get myself a little bit more fame. But, Corner the market on bullshit. <laughs> but in your, in your uh, description here, Phil, I had never thought about very wealthy people basically being able to have access to the amount of wealth that was usually reserved to a monarchy. I'd never thought of thought of it that way, and that's a perfect description. Oh yeah, I mean, if you look at the Jeff Bezos, the uh, who else, uh, Bill Gates, you know, all of the the Waltons, all of these families, you're looking at someone who has the kind of wealth that a king from the past, like a lower king from just a regular country, could only dream of. I mean, you're looking at. The wealth that was reserved for the Spanish crown during the height of their colonies in the the West, in the Americas. Do you think Baron Norman de Winter would have access to this amount of funds? uh, Maybe the wealth that he claimed to have had. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe like he could dream of having that much wealth. (laughs) Well, if if in case anybody is wondering... On Bumblebutt Podcast, my other podcast, and Phil was actually on part one of that, uh, we're covering D.B. Cooper and the man who I think is D.B. Cooper, and he pretended to be a Swiss nobleman named Norman or Baron Norman de Winter. It's quite funny, actually. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. It was a great episode. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Anyway, yeah. continue on. So in American history, these men which came to be known as robber barons during the Gilded Age, went down in history for their grit and ingenuity, also for their ruthlessness and severe greed. When thinking of these industrious individuals, such names come to mind as Rockefeller, Carnegie, Vanderbilt, Ford, and J.P. Morgan. Uh, They all built great wealth and power with innovation and the innovation of how they ran a company itself monopolizing the entire life of goods and services through only the corporations that they controlled. You know what they all have in common? What's that? Anti-Semitic. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> you'll find actually in this podcast that that was kind of a sign of the times. Uh, and actually, if you watch the news, kind of a sign of our time too, which is pretty fucking sad. Okay, now Carnegie is the one who had Carnegie dollars, right? Uh, Carnegie bucks. Carnegie yes. bucks. Ugh. Yeah, they a lot of them had kind of these forms of company company stores and you this is basically when a corporation would pay its employees in company dollars which were worth usually 
much less than a real dollar bill would be worth. So you could only use these Carnegie bucks at the company store. Well, I mean, yeah, it's essentially undercutting the U.S. dollar and it allows them to make maximum profit off of what they're paying their employees because employees have to spend that money at their store. Yeah, for an increased profit because their money is worth less than a real dollar. Yeah, exactly. Look, I'm going to be open with everybody here. I didn't pay much attention in school. No surprise there. (laughs) But when I heard this being talked about, I paid attention. I was like, wow, that is one of the most fucked up things I've ever heard. Oh, definitely. There's also back before this and even during this time, they forced their workers to live in tenements that they owned. So they would force people to live in like they would control the rent. So they would get you they would pay you money, but then they would get you on the rent. They would get you on your food. They would get you on your clothing, the supplies you had to buy, all of this stuff. So basically, at the end of the week, you would end up owing your corporation more money than you were getting paid. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking grand old time. But you know what that reminds me of, Phil, honestly? Uh, people outside of Minnesota might not recognize this name, but uh, we have an amusement park called Valley Fair. And during the summer, if you want to work there, I think you have to live on the grounds. Really? I, I Okay, I'm, I don't yeah. want to say 100% certainty, but... I know they'll get people from like other uh, out in the country. When we were working at Mabe's Pizza, that one girl spent all summer working there and she would have to live in their little dorms or whatever. Their little fucking tenements there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, I I don't know. Not the job for me. Yeah. So there's uh, it was it happened in Pennsylvania. They're called Webbit Webbit Towns. Basically, back in the 1700s, I believe they used to hire women from out in the country, like to get, you know, they would basically buy them pretty much from their fathers, having them come work for them. And then they would like give their, give the fathers the promise of like, oh, we'll give her a good job. We'll teach her how to, you know, work in the factories, like sewing dresses or making thread, doing shit like that. And then they would force them to go to church and wouldn't let them leave at night, like basically locking them into their tenements. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. And you know the how fucking disgusting some of these corporations could be. You know, you know, just the fucking horror stories these people probably had to endure. I'm getting the impression, Phil, you are going to trigger the both of us through this whole episode. No, well, you know, just we're getting off topic about that. But later <laughs> on, we'll talk about a lot of anti-Semitism. So. Okay. So before these 19th century capitalists found their heyday in the Gilded Age, there was actually a predecessor of these men from across the Atlantic that had begun his own enterprise in the money market in the country that would eventually become Germany. And this was actually a century before the self-made man was a norm. Now, before I get started, let me ask you, have you ever heard of the Rothschild family? I have. Um, Are they, obviously they're the epitome of evil per Jordan uh, that I've heard. (laughs) Now, I was trying to think, if we're thinking of the Ellis Island last names, how do you get a last name like Rothschild? Actually, I'm going to I'm going to bring it up how oh. their last name came about. Um, now, but yeah, do you are you you're familiar with Van Halen, right? Yes, I am. OK, now that's David Lee Roth, I think. Did he is he like he got kicked out of the family and they're like, you can't take the child with you? 
for the band name? The, no, that was a, I think it was the lead singer's last name. Well, there was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, uh, David Lee Roth, I think, was the lead singer. Yeah, he got kicked out of the band. Mm. I think it was drugs, wasn't it? It was what? Was it drugs that he he was? (laughs) No, I'm saying he's not Roth child. He's just David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. Roth. No. Yeah, he's that's different. I assume. I don't know. He might be. He probably got he probably got kicked out for not doing enough drugs. Could have been, or not marrying his cousin might have also been a problem there, too. You ever, you ever looked at who they replaced him with, Sammy Hagar? Oof. No. Oof, <laughs> man. Oof. It's like a fatter Guy Fieri. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. So when looking up the wealthiest families in the world today, you'll find many familiar names that are usually hung on the buildings and businesses that the family has either started or still controls. Names such as the Waltons, which, of course, is the family that started Walmart. Mm. Cargill, Mars, and Coke top the list of the world's wealthiest families with their wealth measuring in the hundreds or tens of billions of dollars. Now, however, one family name, and this is according to popular conspiracy theory, is purposefully left off of this list. And that is because their wealth trumps the combined wealth of all of the other families' billions of dollars combined well first off i'm sad none of our last names are on this list okay that would be be awesome and terrible (laughs) i think it'd be horrible to have that much money i do know the coke brothers um i think they're everybody here calls them the coke brothers because i think some of their oil refineries are here of course polluting the shit out of the air um they're not well liked but they kind of hide in secret yeah, so there, I think right when you drive into town, you see their their big oil refinery, don't oh, you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the big one. The big one right in the south of Minneapolis-St. Paul. So the Koch brothers are a lot more, they're famous industrialists, obviously, but they're also like much more famous for being conservative money men. They give a lot of money to a lot of conservative candidates or super PACs. They have a lot of money going uh, going into politics is one of their big things. I would love to see a death match between the Koch brothers and Jerry Jones. <laughs> <laughs> two yeah. two hundred and ten year old people uh, fighting each other, or I guess three one hundred and ten year old people fighting each other. That would be great, and then just donate all the money from the dead one just to charity. There you go. Here's here's eighty billion dollars for you. Just you know, go buy some, go buy some shit. <laughs> Buy some bread or something. So tell me about these Rothschilds, Philip. Now, according to conspiracy theorists, the Rothschild family combined wealth is a staggering $500 trillion. And allegedly, they control 80% of the world's total wealth. Okay, I'm I'm glad you used the word allegedly. Yes. Because that's like 10 Bezos's. Combine together to make that much. Yeah, that's that's probably closer to ten thousand Bezoses combined <laughs> to make that much. Five hundred trillion dollars is an unimaginable amount of money. I th- okay. What Bezos is five trillion, right? Bezos hasn't cracked a trillion yet. I'm pretty sure he did in personal wealth. I don't well, think he's cracked a trillion. Yeah, I Amazon. Maybe. Okay. But Amazon and Bezos are like there's personal wealth and then there's company's wealth. 
So if you separate those two things, like obviously Walmart is worth more than the Waltons family. Like Walmart itself brings in $500 billion a year. Gotcha. Okay. But the Waltons are probably only worth like combined. I think it's over like $150 billion between all of the family members combined. I, I thought I had heard Bezos was the world's first uh, trillionaire. I heard that he can become the world's first trillionaire. Gotcha. Okay. Before he dies. I heard that he's not there yet, though. Mm. But I may be wrong about that. But yeah, I think that he is in the many hundreds of billion dollars just by himself, though. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So not only that, but the theory also states that this family is the actual owner of all of the world's central banks, including the Federal Reserve of the United States and the Bank of England, and holds the purse strings of every major country on Earth. Okay, all right. I mean, if I guess if you had control of that, you'd be uh, cooking with fire, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't even... If you had the control of the purse strings of every major country on Earth, I don't even know what you would do with it. You would almost have to start a space program to find aliens just so that you could increase your wealth. Like, what's next for you when you control everything? It's like if one of Superman's villains won and took over, you know? Mm, true. I don't know. I don't know what you would do. I mean, what could you do? You controlled the world. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you would have to hire Barack Obama at some point, <laughs> you know, just to brainstorm ideas for ways to increase your wealth more. Well, maybe get that time machine of his. Or yeah. sorry, Barry Tiro. Yeah, as you say, Barry Tiro. Maybe you'd have to like pay him a couple billion to uh, rent his time machine for a, a few hours or something. Yeah, go back and make even more money. <laughs> go back to the Black Plague and buy up the land before the peasants could get to it. <laughs> you know what? Actually, Phil. Uh, speaking of aliens in outer space or whatever, I we should have talked about this in the beginning episode, but I I saw a science.com article that they found a planet where the sun erupted right yes. and it didn't destroy it oh one of the uh they call them they're like a cold planet or, or a wanderer well it was it was basically just saying that when our sun explodes eventually or whatever that earth can still remain intact probably not with life on it or whatever no. but the planet won't be blown to shreds. Yeah. So I've have heard, I think I've heard of what you're talking about. Uh, there is also the problem of if the sun goes supernova, then obviously all the planets in the solar system are destroyed. And well, then the resulting black hole that would come from that, if it does turn into a black hole would suck in all of that mass eventually. Huh. Wouldn't it? Well, I don't, I don't know. They were just, I, I don't know. These fucking nerds on this website were just saying that they confirmed that it won't blow up the planet if that happens or something. I don't. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, I think it I think it would, but I think they're wrong. <laughs> but whatever. I hope Neil deGrasse Tyson comes to your house and whoops your ass for saying that. <laughs> Smacks me in the face. Yeah. Flips a coin first, 50-50, to see if he's going to do it or not. <laughs> oh, he's literally Two-Face? Is that what you're saying? No, it's the 50-50 thing. He's well, gotta... I know. that The Two-Face has the <laughs> coin. He flips it. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, anyway. Yeah. So, for this conspiracy, we have to start way back at the beginning. And this starts with Mayor Amschel Rothschild, 
born in February 1744 in Frankfurt. Now, he was the son of Amschel Moses Rothschild, a money changer and silk dealer. Now, like other Jewish residents of Frankfurt at the time, the Rothschilds lived in the Hudingas, translated today into like a Jewish alley. Now, this Jewish alley or ghetto was extremely dirty and just a horrible, smelly, narrow street where the Jewish residents of the city were forced to live apart from the Christians in the city. Uh, they were not allowed to leave the ghetto during Christian holidays, Sundays, and also at night. And they were locked in during these times into the ghetto. Jesus. In 1744. Holy shit. Yeah, and this lasted up until the early 1800s. Wow, holy shit, okay. That's fucked up. Yeah, at the time, most European cities had these ghettos. However, the restrictions in Frankfurt were some of the worst, as the Jewish residents of this ghetto were not allowed to walk together more than two at a time. They were not allowed to meet up in coffee shops or visit parks. Wow. So, so... Germany's had an extensive um, history of being anti-Semitic. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was a lot of the European countries had these Mm. laws against Jewish people. But yeah, apparently Frankfurt was one of the worst cities for these these Mm. laws. So the Rothschild's family name, actually, we were talking a little bit about this before, was taken from the name of the home of the Rothschild's ancestor, Isaac and Elkanon, <laughs> who lived in the house Zoom Rottenschiel. Ah, okay. Not, I mean, not my preferred name for a house, but it's it's okay. It, it sounds like an exotic drink, to be honest with you. Yeah, something you might have at the end of the night, like from a dare from your friends. <laughs> you don't shit. know what's in it. Just drink it. <laughs> you're shit-faced, and it's just like a whole bunch of random shit, and there could be a dead fish in there for all you know. You're just yeah. going to drink it. Your buddy crawls up to the bar. You look at the bartender, you're like, you mind just giving him the mat so we can take him out of here? <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? What you're saying about all this is something that, let's say you or I, obviously we have ancestors probably from this time period, but we don't know them, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you tried hard enough, you could trace them, but like, we don't have a strong family lineage like they do. No, I have no idea what the dirt farmers in Czechoslovakia that eventually led up to me were like at all. I just know when they got to America, and that's it. So you are primarily Czech? Well, I'm a quarter Czech, quarter German, quarter Irish, Corner, quarter Scandinavian or something like that. Ah, okay. Pretty even of all of them. The most I know is my family was successful, unsuccessful reindeer farmers. That's about all I know. <laughs> yeah, I wish my family was something that cool. They probably <laughs> wish they had fucking reindeer. I'm guessing. I, I, I feel like in Norway, from what I've heard, if you're a ro- reindeer farmer, you're basically low class. Yeah, oh, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Got lefsa thrown at you. <laughs> rotten potatoes yeah. you. get out of here you fucking where's santa claus <laughs> so zoom rotten shield translates into at the red shield and the name was given to the house because of the red shield that apparently hung over the door of the home did they put it there 
Uh, no. So the thing is, homes back then would just get these names. And apparently uh, this home just had this red shield on the house, which gave it its name. Uh, the red shield actually plays a part in the Rothschild's coat of arms that are still around to this day. You'll still see a little red shield in their coat of arms. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Kind of one of the big conspiracy things is uh, something with an octopus you'll see, but yeah. Okay. You, if you look up images of Rothschild's uh, shield, you'll also see images of the, the octopus, So, gotcha. which has meaning okay. in anti-Semitism also. So Mayer would begin attending school at the age of three or four, and at the age of 11 in 1755, he would leave school and Frankfurt itself to be sent off to a Jewish seminary in Nuremberg. Now, during that year, 1755, a smallpox epidemic would spread throughout the city of Frankfurt, taking the lives of his mother and his father. Now, at the age of 13, Mayer would end up joining an apprenticeship for the bank of Wolf Jacob Oppenheim, whose family were known as court Jews. Now, court Jews used their financial ties to back the finances of the countries in Europe. Basically, from what I've learned about this time period, uh, handling money wasn't really allowed for Christians at the time. So the Jews were kind of taking up this job. And really, it was seen as dirty work. Anything dealing with money was considered dirty work. Interesting. Okay. I wonder... Okay, so was it the Christians weren't allowed to work with it or that they just viewed it as a lower class job handling money? No, the Christian church would not allow them to handle money. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. That makes sense. I guess it probably has something to do with like being corruptible or something. Probably. With piety. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, back then money handling, like right now you hear these titles and you're like, holy shit, this person handled all the money for this count or this nobleman or this king even. Now you hear that and you think, oh, wow, what a what an awesome position. But back then you might as well have been shoveling shit. Ah, gotcha. Okay. That's Interesting. how it equates to. Except for in the Jewish communities where these obviously were the, the main people. Yeah. Know? So during his apprenticeship, Mayer learned the trade of issuing and cashing bills and conducting foreign trade. Now, eventually, he would take everything that he learned during his teenage years back to Frankfurt, where he joined his brother Kalman's money-changing business, trading in collectible coins, antiques, engravings, and jewelry. Ah, okay. So this is basically like 1700s pawn stars, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. So (laughs) back before there's a like money was kind of weird back then. So there wasn't really there was money kind of issued by the state, but it was kind of hard to go from country to country trading money. So you would have to find these money changers to or say you went to France and got francs and you wanted to go back to one of the German countries and get their cash. You would have to go to a money changer to change everything back. And yeah, they also seem to be like pawnbrokers, like pawn shop. Interesting. Okay. So basically you're saying they didn't have some shitty little uh, stand in the airport that rips you off for doing a money exchange. That's actually what they were doing. They were doing an early form of that. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's exactly what they were doing. (laughs) So they they would change your money, but they would take a little piece of it. 
Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess yeah. it's a smart business at the time. Yeah. I mean, it was banks were much less. There wasn't exactly like multi branches, and you couldn't really use like a bank outside of your own bank in your hometown kind of deal. It was it's very complicated. Okay. So, so during his early start with his brother's business, Mayer would eventually meet Crown Prince Wilhelm, the future wealthiest man in Europe. Eventually, he would become Wilhelm the Ninth. Now, the Crown Prince would eventually bestow upon Mayer the title of Court Factor, meaning that he had done business with the royals before. Now, though he had this really good title, uh, it would not be enough to allow him to leave the ghettos of Frankfurt. So he's working for a rich guy, but na- not making enough money to improve his lifestyle or whatever, his life conditions. No, he was making enough money to leave the ghetto, but he wasn't allowed to leave the ghetto. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh. So if they would have if they would have abolished those rules, he could have bought a, a home in anywhere in Frankfurt if he wanted to. Problem is, those rules were still in place. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Mayer would continue to grow his wealth and finance, eventually marrying Gudel Schnapper and having 10 children, five daughters and five sons. She sounded fertile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gudel. Any, anyone whose name is Gudel Schnapper, her family's known for it. So. Well, they, you're either very prone to having children or your parents hate you. One of the two. Yeah, I when I hear the word Gudelschnapper, I just think of a very a short, very wide-hipped woman who probably keeps her hands just balled up in a fist. <laughs> well, I was going to say if your name it sounds like a type of German fish, honestly. Like I <laughs> damn, like a schnapper fish? Yeah. <laughs> or is this are they she is her family the fa- uh founder of schnapps? Like what do you got? S- cinnamon schnapps, mint schnapps? Whatever, to peach schnapps, all that. Her family was just pioneers in the liquor industry. <laughs> so these five sons would eventually become the future of the Rothschild's family fortune. Now for the crown prince, he would ascend to the throne and become the landgrave Wilhelm IX. And Mayer would continue his financial relationship with Wilhelm, eventually leading to 1792, when forces under the French revolutionaries would occupy Frankfurt. Now, this would force Mayer to either choose to side with the coalition against the French or to stay completely neutral, though his choice would be helped along by the 100,000 pounds the British government would send as a sort of bribe to acquire the aid of Mayer. Uh, He would actually use this opportunity to greatly increase his wealth as a military contractor, supplying arms, horses, and supplies for the coalition. So he he could have chose neutrality, technically being loyal to the Germans or France, and he chose to go with the Brits. Yes. he Well, he chose to go with the coalition against the French. So what happened after the French Revolution is a lot of these European crown, like the monarchies, got really worried that revolution would spread. So everyone hears about all of the internal turmoil that was going on in France during the revolution. What a lot of people don't know is the French army was fighting tooth and nail outside of France against almost every single country in Europe who was trying to take them back over and make them like put the crown 
uh, back on one of the descendants of the you know future beheaded king. Gotcha. Okay. Huh. My it's it's so weird because you're talking about very late 1700s, early 1800s. This literally yes. sounds like the Cold War, right? Yeah. Like oh, the- yeah. It was it was definitely there was with the American Revolution, the Haitian Revolution. Uh, well, the Haitian Revolution was kind of part of what happened from France. But yeah, this was a culture shift that was going on that the monarchies definitely wanted to stop. Yeah, that that's what I mean. Like, obviously, yep. the Cold War's America was scared of communism and all that, obviously. But it's just like, man, shit never changes, does it? Nope. Everyone's worried about some new form of, you know, rule or new way of going about things that's going to upset the apple cart for themselves. <laughs> In 1798, Mayer sent his son Nathan to England. Now, this was to oversee the trade of goods and also to set up the first foreign branch under the Rothschild's name. Nathan wouldn't be the only one, as the rest of his brothers would eventually be sent all over Europe to set up their own foreign branches of their father's interests, with the oldest son being left behind in Frankfurt to aid their father. So maybe this is why they had so many kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, having a lot of kids kind of was in the interest of these like big families back then of the, you know, like the nobility trying to have these big families. You need workers. Well, yeah, you need, (laughs) it's the best. Well, also with some, like the infant death rate and the lack of medical care, you needed a lot of kids to make sure that some of them lived to adulthood. Also, it was your best chance to have a golden child who would be the one to kind of take over your mantle. Right, uh, right. This was Nathan for Mayor Rothschild. So he's the best one. Yep, Nathan is, he, he did the best out of all five of the sons. Gotcha. Mayor would continue his trade in materials from Frankfurt during peacetime. At this time, he also took over the banking interests of Landgrave Wilhelm IX, and this further increased his ever-growing wealth into the early 19th century. Now, it was during this time in 1806 that Mayer would use his lending power to fight for the rights of the Jews in the city of Frankfurt. Now, he refused to take those rights uh, for just himself when offered to him, opting to hold out for the rights of his fellow Jews. Now, eventually, he would earn the rights for his people in 1811, and this would gain equal rights for all of the residents living in the ghetto. All right, so that's great. Yeah, so actually he did something really great there. What he did was he refused to lend money to the power of the city, to the the leading person of the city, unless he was granted these rights. They tried to reason with him and give him like, oh, we'll give you the we'll give you those rights, but obviously we're not going to give it to the rest of them. And he held out for five years and wow. gained equal rights for the rest of the Jews. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So during the Napoleonic Wars, Napoleon actually set up an embargo on trade with the British. What Mayer did was he actually took advantage of this embargo and he started in the black market, uh, trading goods, smuggling in everything that wasn't allowed and smuggling out products to England. This would make a huge profit for himself, obviously, as smuggled goods are worth a shit ton more than legal ones. Right. So do you know what he was smuggling exactly? Oh, it was everything. 
Every it was like Cuba. Everything was banned. Really? Oh shit. Yeah. So what Napoleon was trying to do was he was trying he took over the continent of Europe and everyone who wasn't at like everyone who wasn't under Napoleon's power, he used like the threat of military might against them to go into a league with him that he was trying to stop the British. He also tried to set up a blockade. The problem is the British Navy was such a juggernaut that there was no blockading England, obviously. You're just going to get your fucking ass kicked. Hmm. I, man, I just got to say, Britain or the UK, for such a small island, I don't know how they did that. Yeah, they just, uh, I mean, ever since, what was it? You know, 1066, they just had a, a really good... You know, they they gobbled up land. They put money into their navy. Obviously, a, a country like Britain, you're going to put money into your navy to protect yourself from all of the powers in Europe, especially France and the Germanic states. Right. So they didn't need much of a you don't need much of an army when you have the most powerful navy on Earth. So and the fear of having unsalted and peppered food. Yeah, there's no reason to go to England because the food there is so terrible. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That fucking, that fucking breakfast. <laughs> I don't know why they get so much pop for it. So after Wilhelm was forced into exile, Mayer continued to be his private banker, and he also continued his black market smuggling business. This, however, would force him to be put under house arrest by Napoleon's brother, Jerome, who was in control of the area around Frankfurt at the time. Now, he would eventually have his house searched by officials from the government. Uh, they actually wouldn't leave his home until he paid a very high bribe. Luckily, though, Mayer had had enough warning for him and his family to completely clear the residence out of any incriminating evidence. So you're telling me Napoleon's brother, who should have been... The most steadfast guy ever, I would assume, was still would still take a bribe. Well, no, it wasn't Napoleon's brother. It was the officials who were sent to gotcha. Mayor Rothschild's home who were the ones who wanted the bribe. But, but it was but okay, so Napoleon, he put all of his brothers in charge of all of these countries in Europe once Napoleon took them over. He wanted to start a dynasty, kind of like how the Victorian dynasty in Europe with all of the country, all of her grandchildren were in control of all these countries. He wanted that like a predecessor for that, but he wanted it with all of his family, like a dynasty all over Europe of Napoleon's. Well, now, I mean, now just, just think about him now. All his dynasty is, is either being referred to as a shorter person, generally a male, or you're named after a type of ice cream. Yeah, that's your two claim to fame is a <laughs> complex and an ice cream. Definitely. Yeah, it didn't actually, work out for him. Actually, Napoleon was of average size, but a lot of propaganda, like British propaganda against him was of this tiny little guy. So people wouldn't be so worried about him. But you know, yeah. You know how I've learned if you want to, okay, if you're on a potential date with someone, this is for anybody who is looking for a significant other or something, right? If you want to know if they're a history nerd or not, throw out there as bait that Napoleon is really short. If they answer like Phil just did, you know what you're looking for. Yep. You've you've got a winner, 
Well, in yeah. most cases, probably a loser. But <laughs> no, no, you got a winner there. Got a winner if you want a history nerd. <laughs> so basically with the history portion of this episode out of the way, let's cut into the juicy meat of this episode and hit us with uh, some conspiracies. Oh, yeah. So this conspiracy theory states that the Rothschilds were actually funding both sides of the Napoleonic Wars and that the Rothschilds didn't really care who actually won that war, only that both sides paid their bills on time. It's kind of like the uh, Iron Bank in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Lending money to both sides, don't really care who wins. Right, just like uh, Wells Fargo. Oh, yeah. What an evil <laughs> fucking corporation. I shouldn't say much because I still bank with them, but honestly, I've never been fucked over personally or directly by Wells Fargo, so I'm going to stick with them. Yeah, lucky you. Have, I, like, I like having branches everywhere. Right. Now, this conspiracy doesn't hold up very well, mostly because of the fact that the favored son of Mayor Rothschild was actually stationed in London and directly invested in the coalition winning the war against Napoleon. Also, the fact that Mayer was in the business of smuggling, which directly violated Napoleon's plans to isolate the British. He was even, like I mentioned before, put under house arrest in Frankfurt. I mean, even if you just like all the history you said, it just seems like Napoleon would be, even if he won or whatever, he'd be affecting their funds either way. So why would you go for him? Yeah, there was also a conspiracy kind of about like the whole affecting the funds. There's also a conspiracy that was put out that the Rothschilds manipulated Napoleon's money, which forced him to lose the war. Ah, There's also like that conspiracy also that they used money rather than arms to kind of starve out Napoleon. They told Napoleon he should invest in Blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking, oh, yeah. man. I feel bad for anyone who had a dime in Blockbuster fucking 10 years ago. Hey, there's one left, I think. There's, I think that one may have closed. But oh, oh, God damn it. Maybe yeah, he told them to invest in a radio shack. Yeah, they got that. They got that fucking, uh, that Lime Springs, Iowa internet up there finally. And Blockbuster hit the shitter. Yeah, killed them. Killed them. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So I don't exactly know how the conspiracy would go because the Rothschilds, it's not like they control the Russian winter. And I'm pretty sure it was mostly the Russian winter that put the final nail in the coffin for Napoleon. So I think it was all like every nail in the coffin for Napoleon pretty much was the Russian winter. So, so it sounds like the Russian winter is almost undefeated. Oh yeah. The Russian, the Russian, the Russian winter is undefeated. Uh, Afghanistan used to be undefeated, except for, I guess, we're doing pretty well there now. So <laughs> I get, we haven't yeah, ran yeah. off the t- tail between our legs yet. So uh, we'll get there. 20 year fucking war, though. Yeah, not very good. So one of the articles of propaganda against the Jews put out by Hitler's Nazi regime was actually that the Jewish bankers were funding both sides of the po- Napoleonic Wars and that they betrayed the German people also in World War I, stopping the financing of the German Empire, which forced them to end the war early. I mean, I'm assuming that didn't happen, but that's great propaganda for him. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a lot of that sentiment going into the Hitler regime, the Nazi takeover, that the Jews were behind the early surrender of Germany in World War One. The Germans, like the, a lot of the sentiment was the German people still wanted to fight after the armistice. So, huh? I mean, I think that's what Adam always says uh, that World War One and World War Two are the same wars; they're just put on pause, right? Yeah. Well, World War One directly led to World War Two. Yeah. From so. from the the way that World War ended, and like a lot of it, Germany was hit way too hard. The German people were suffered way too hard from their loss in World War One, and the Japanese got fucked over so bad by the Allies. Even though J- Japan was on the winning side, they got screwed over. They weren't given a proper place at the table. So yeah, World War One pretty much led to World War Two. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, there was a lot of these conspiracy theories actually do kind of come out of propaganda against Jews from the Nazis. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So another conspiracy that kind of goes along with the propaganda that the Rothschilds were funding both sides of the war was that Nathan Rothschild actually himself had witnessed the Battle of Waterloo and sped back to his headquarters in London. This was, of course, to spread false information that the British and her allies had lost the battle. And this would be so that he could capitalize on the dismay of the markets and gain control of the weakened financial state of England, taking ownership of the Bank of England in secret. Wow, okay. That's like playing 40 chess there. Can I just say, yeah. the only reason I recognize the Battle of Waterloo is because, uh, I want to make sure I say his name right, Dan Carlin, when he talks about this on that, uh, count, what is it, Countdown Armageddon? Yeah, well... Pretty much, yeah. It's his uh, his show is hardcore history. Yeah, hardcore history. But I think that's what he calls World War One or what. Anyway, the whole point is when he starts talking about this, you can tell this man is rock hard. Like oh, he yeah. is rock hard. He is so sexually turned on by talking about it. It's insane. Yeah, he loves talking about World War One France at the beginning or the beginning of world war one because of how much like the french soldiers still look like they're from the battle of waterloo he loves talking about that shit (laughs) well i think he just is like he's so into war history like it sexually excites him a little bit i think a lot of it might like it a little too much yeah i mean look if that's your kink that's fine but just admit (laughs) it like let's not get millions of people to listen to your podcast just when you're getting hard off of it the whole time. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. We're gonna that get... is, uh, it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. I, favorite he, honestly, he's great. I'm just teasing around, but uh, that'd be amazing if somebody got big enough where Dan Carlin started a war against us for saying this. Yeah. Uh, Dan Carlin, if you're listening, would you mind putting out an episode like, you know, just every once in a while, just a little bit more frequent. Cause I'm, we've been waiting for the new Japanese one for quite a while now. So Well, let's be fair here, Phil. Could you imagine having an erection for, what, <laughs> two, three days straight while he's recording? Yeah. I, I it's think it's got to be hard. I, I think he's actually, he might be writing a new book right now, but oh, not exactly. Oh, Jesus. He's going to have an erection for six months. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this theory doesn't really hold much water, 
as there isn't really any evidence that Nathan witnessed the Battle of Waterloo at all. There also really isn't much evidence that he made really the vast amount of money off of the Battle of Waterloo that the conspiracy tells of. Uh, he did make money, obviously, from supplying the British with money and supplies and all of that stuff. But he had already had that money invested in Britain before the Battle of Waterloo. Gotcha. Okay. So it, so far, it's sounding like they just kind of want to blame a rich guy, I guess, right? A rich Jewish guy, you know? Yeah, that's... I mean, uh, when I took my conspiracy theories of... It was a history on conspiracy theories class back when I was in college. Basically, every other day we were talking about Jews in the conspiracy. Like, if you look deep enough into every conspiracy, there's the Jewish anti-Semitic, you know, part to it. Yeah. So, huh. I wonder why that is. I I really don't know. I I think it's just the difference in religion. And it's just something that kind of, it seems like it's something that just kind of compounds itself. Because there was a lot of anti-Jewish hate all the way back in the Roman times. And then the Christians came around and they just added on to it and added on to it. I mean, even with, we talked about the Black Plague, they were blaming Jews for poisoning the water. You know, there's the Illuminati. That one is a big Jewish conspiracy too. There's just a shit ton over the years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. So there is one legend about the Rothschilds that may actually have some truth behind it. And that would be that the Rothschilds family practice marriage between cousins. Now, this incest was to keep the family's vast fortune in the hands of the family. Uh, they would marry off descendants of Mare and Goodle Rothschild off to each other. Ooh, okay, so it's kind of like Terry Bradshaw and the Pittsburgh Steelers family. Yes, well, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh in general. I don't know about the Steelers, <laughs> but they're all from different places. So maybe Dan Marino, I don't know. The whole Marino family is all getting married together? Possibly. I don't know. Where are so. they coming up with these fucking names? Mayor and Goodle? And uh, what was the other one? Well, they're all... these. Are, so it's a lot... Of, there's a lot of... Uh, they, they ended up changing their names when they started getting more and more money and more and more titles. A lot of his descendants would actually change their names to more German-sounding names or more British-sounding. Wherever they moved to... They would change their names, but these are all Jewish names. Goodle, Goodle, I, Mayor, okay. Mayor. There's quite a. His family has quite a few, like like his father's name. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Phil, if you ever have kids, please don't name them Goodle. Please Goodle. promise me that. Yeah, like there's some names. Um, his father's name is Amschel Moses Rothschild. I mean, Moses makes sense, right? Moses. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It was just the names that, you know, what if it from was, a different country, different, you know. What if it was Larry Goodle David? What if that was his real name? Goodle. That's a be an odd name to name a kid these days. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it, though. There's probably some kids out there right now named hey, Goodle. Don't you dare put that dare out on Kanye West because he will do it. <laughs> He'll knock her up just to name a kid Goodle. Yeah. <laughs> so according to the article, Pedigree Chums. A History of Aristotic Incest by Stuart Husband. Mayor Rothschild kept the wealth in the family by the wording in his will. Now, this is a quote from a reading of that article. Now, quote, 
His will barred female descendants from any direct inheritance so that female Rothschilds had a paucity of possible marriage partners of the same religion and suitable economic and social stature, except other Rothschilds. Thus, four of Mayer's granddaughters married his grandsons, and one married her uncle. In fact, between 1824 and 1877, of 36 male Rothschild descendants, 30 married their cousins, with first preferences going to those whose fathers were partners in different branches of the bank, giving a whole new dimension to the term family business. Here's all I'm thinking. Okay, (laughs) if we think about the modern white supremacist or hillbilly or whatever, generally could be considered to be anti-Semitic, but somehow they kind of have the same practices uh, sexually, I guess, or in they marry their relatives in the so what are you saying for the anti-semitic they're yes. like okay you have a nazi person generally is anti-semitic right and yeah. i would assume someone like that generally would be willing to marry anyone oh. in their family lineage from their sister you're talking a about a neo-nazi like yes, a sorry, fucking, sorry sorry okay yes, yes. like a redneck asshole i thought you meant like the nazi nazis no oh, okay. no 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 no. Gotcha. okay like i they're i mean it'd be really creepy if i is this confirmed to be true or is this guy making this up uh from i read a few different articles and the thing is i mean kind of jump in the next little thing it may sound extremely weird for us today and only acceptable in the most backwoods, rural <laughs> regions of the country. And of course, the scum city of Pittsburgh. But this practice of marrying cousins wasn't completely out of fashion uh, at the time. In some cases of small town living, it may have actually been essential. Though the Rothschilds obviously uh, really couldn't use that excuse as they had the means to marry anyone that they so choose. I mean, if you remember back in our small town, there were some kids who went to our school who were pretty much related to everyone. I mean, you know, there right. were some kids who everyone was their cousin, pretty much. I don't want to say that we had incest in Iowa, though. I no, don't I'm know if say- I'm ready for that. I'm not saying that the kids in our school were dating their own cousins. I'm saying that they happened to have a lot of cousins that went to school with them from small town, you know, living. Well, if there's one gentleman who I think personally probably likes to have this style of relationship with his family, it's probably Kirk Ferentz, right? Well, Kirk Ferentz does practice <laughs> nepotism like a motherfucker. Kirk Ferentz, if you're not aware, is the head coach of Iowa. <laughs> and his son, uh, so he had a son play center for the Iowa Hawkeyes for 14 years straight, I think it felt like. Wow. And the funny thing is, they all are like the same big build. They're all the same, like, you know, general height, big guy. So it seemed like a Ferentz was playing center for Iowa for over a decade. Was he married to his own sister? I do not believe so. No. Well, we should be fair, Phil. If we're talking about this particular topic, incest and marrying your relatives, we got to do this. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. (laughs) Yeah, Roll Tide. Or, you know, put up the fucking terrible towel for it. Uh, Honestly, though, with this conspiracy, like, 
Very wealthy families. I don't know why. Like, this doesn't come off as surprising, to be honest. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, FDR married his own cousin. Uh, There was quite a few of these wealthy families that had this practice. And if you look at it, you really do cut down the amount of, instead of having a family tree, it's more streamlined. You have you have less opportunity for money to leave the family. Now, obviously, in the current last couple generations of the Rothschilds, they've been marrying outside of their family. Hmm. So their amount of family members has increased and the money has spread around. But up for the first, what, 50 or so years. So Mayor Rothschild actually died uh, before the Battle of Waterloo in, I believe it was 1812. I'd have to go back and look it up. But after 60, 70 years, that family was still close-knit and tight. So that family tree was more of just a just a pipeline down, you know? They're kissing their cousins a little more than they should. Yeah, I actually found a uh, an article that was named, It's Alright to Kiss Cousins or something like that. Oh, no, stop talking it. About this. Oh, God, <laughs> stop it. I don't believe that. It was the article that was named that. <laughs> Is it in the Kentucky Times? It might have been. (laughs) So the last conspiracy is that the Rothschilds are part of an international cabal of Jewish bankers and money holders that secretly run the media, international trade, and world finances, secretly pulling the strings of government from the shadows. I would say this is the main one. Yeah, that's why I saved this one for last, because we can talk about it the most. Okay. So one quote that is attributed to either Mayer or his son Nathaniel is, quote, permit me to issue and control money of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Now, though this quote is attributed to either Mayer or his son Nathaniel, there really isn't any direct evidence that either of the men actually said it. And when the quote was said to have happened, Mayer was actually already dead. So I really doubt it's him. He sure wasn't on his gravestone. It might be on his gravestone. <laughs> Just in German. But uh, even if, okay, even if that was his quote, I don't care who you are, that in America, in the United States of America, that is very true. Oh, definitely. That's not even a conspiracy now. We no. know. Yeah. They, they don't care about who makes the laws as long as they control the money that gets funneled into these campaigns. Then they already own whoever is coming in. They just need a willing taker, basically, at that moment. Well, I mean, our technically, our U.S. president currently is this quote, and he wants to marry his daughter, I'm fairly certain, or at least kiss her. Oh, yeah. Well, when I first, <laughs> the funny thing is, I actually moved back to the U.S. when he was just starting to win the Republican nomination for president in 2016. And his daughter at the time was pregnant. And the funny thing was, I laughed and I looked over. I was, we were all watching it with my family when I got back. And I said, how much you want to bet that kid's not even his? Because I thought that that was actually his wife because of the way he was oh. treating her. And Melania was just like off in the background. Oh, God. Oh. And my mom actually said, yeah, it's not his because he's the granddad. I was like, oh. I'm That's s- even creepier because just the way he's acting around her. I'm I'm sorry, but like families like theirs, probably I will definitely probably the Rothschilds, Bezos, all of them very powerful families. 
I have a feeling there's incest going on. Well, I don't know about Bezos because they're that's new money. So I don't. What? Bezos is kind of a self-made man. Quit giving him credit, goddammit. We don't do that on this show, Phil. Well, I mean, the, all the tech dudes are self-made men. They're, you know, you got to get, got to hand it to them. At least, you know, fucking, uh, you know, even that Facebook fucking Android. He's a self-made man. You well, know, yeah. Did it himself. Okay. All right. Well, and with the most powerful AI in the universe in his head, but, you know. And we're leaving out the fact that reptilians lay eggs, so there's that. That's true. <laughs> He, he, if there is a reptilian on Earth, it's he's one of them. Gotta be. All right, so let's get back on topic here. So, what are we? What are you? What are you feeling with this kind of like main conspiracy involving the Rothschild? All right, so this theory also goes along with the anti-Semitic theories that kind of have really followed the Jews throughout history. This would include, like I mentioned before, the Illuminati. Uh, it would include communism. Starting of the Black Plague, sinking of the Titanic, which is also closely kind of put together with the Rothschilds, 9-11 and the blowing up of the World Trade Centers, and also really financing every single war since the colonial days uh, for their own personal gain. That's really been attributed to either the Rothschilds or just Jews in general. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I would say... Unless Dick Cheney is like the ugliest of the Rothschild's daughters, I don't. <laughs> starting a war for your own financial gain, I don't know if that was them. But yeah, I we've been in the conspiracy world for how long now? It's always every single one is like the Jews did this, the Jews did that, blah 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 blah. You know all that. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it always seems like. I don't know. You know how these conspiracy theories really take on a life for themselves. It's almost like these conspiracy theories get lonely and they want to mash up with other conspiracy theories to make like this massive conspiracy theory, just like the time traveler dude, just like all of these incidents, all of these things, the Illuminati, the outbreak of communism in America, who started the Black Plague, sinking the Titanic, 9-11. They're all conspiracies on their own. But they all just get tied down, like back down to the Jews. You know what you I, know? what I, what I was thinking, kind of like when you're going through the history. This is just what's going on in my head. It's like, so if an anti-Semitic conspiracy started a long, long time ago, right? Like, let's yeah. say, um, God, I don't know when Christians st first started coming on this scene or whatever. What if it's just like. It has never ended since that time. So any problem in the world, the first anti-Semitic person had just kind of continuously blamed them. I mean, it kind of seemed like with the uh, Napoleonic Wars, the banking stuff and all of that, it seems like it's kind of just continuously just kind of added to whatever conspiracy is going on at that point. Do you know what I mean? Well, kind of the funny thing we mentioned before how... The rise of communism, everyone kind of joined together to fight the communist. The rise of non-monarchies. Like, instead of having a monarchy, there was this other way of doing it called nationalism. All of the monarchies joined together to fight against this, right? Right. So back way, way, way back in antiquities, there was mostly pagan religions or religions with multi-gods that were – I mean, we talked about it last two weeks ago in Atlantis, where most of those religions, there were 
basically the same gods that were shared throughout the region. Right. Right. So that this was like the first monotheistic or one God that was kind of like came onto the scene. And I think really that's kind of when the whole like hating the Jewish people thing really started with like the Egyptians and other what pagan or multi multi-god religions were in those areas really didn't like the monotheists for having just one god so i wonder if maybe that's when it started that is actually a brilliant point phil i didn't even think about that i'm guessing a lot of people don't think about that that's actually very genius yeah i don't know i mean we were just talking about how when something little comes onto the scene and all of the old ways, like all of the practice all the practice practitioners of the old ways kind of like form together and jump on it kind of like it's a cancer cell. So maybe that's yeah. how it started, but huh, interesting. Well, I don't know. So we've been going for a while here. I guess we need to find out your opinions. Is this a, are the Rothschilds really a dangerous family that's controlling the world or what, what are they up to in your mind? Well, just kind of to round this out. I mean, the the truth is that because of the secret nature of the Rothschilds family, no one is really sure what their total net worth is, though it is likely not the $500 trillion uh, as the world's total combined wealth is only about half of that as of just a few years ago. Uh, I found a lot of different sites that kind of corroborated that. Also, Nazi occupation during World War II really left their family quite diminished. Obviously, their family is pretty much based in mainland Europe, and the Jews didn't do very well during that time. A lot of the wealth and holdings of the family members in Europe were really taken apart and stolen at that time. The Rothschilds still likely hold, to us at least, an unimaginable amount of wealth today, However, it is likely nowhere near like the Jeff Bezoses or the Barry Satiros of the world. <laughs> how, how much money do we actually think Barry Satiro has? I, I, I just think he has a time machine. I don't know if he has money. Yeah, but he's using that time machine to gather wealth. I'm going to guess three Jeff Bezoses at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of what you described. Um, it sounds like the Rothschilds are just really old, very wealthy money. Yeah, super, super old bunny. And uh, I mean, not as much as everyone thinks that they have, but more than us. So it's somewhere in between there. Right. And they've taught us an important lesson comparing them to the South is even if you have sex with your cousins, it's not going to make you rich. So that's not a reason to do it. It's not going to it's not going to hold that wealth in the family. You're not going to get all those Casey pizza fucking coupons kept in the family with that shit hey i would consider that a treasure trove of wealth if i had like 500 of the cardboard cutouts for casey's pizza i might feel like a rich man oh god i'd eat casey's pizza every fucking night if i had (laughs) if i if i had 50 free pizzas oh yeah it'd be great Fuck yeah i'm sure a lot of people don't even know what we're talking about Oh, they have no fucking idea. (laughs) So I was going to ask you real quick. What do you think about the whole like the Rothschilds conspiracy, anti-Semitism, kind of like where the money came from, where it's gone? What do you think about all this? Well, I'll be honest. Everybody's heard the Rothschilds name, but I weren't exactly sure what they were doing um, or like what prominence they had. But to me, it just sounds like they are an old family who has always had money. It sounded like Mayer 
was a really smart guy who took advantage of the situations that he had been placed in and yes. flourished in them, which kind of set the precedent for his whole family, and they probably followed his steed or whatever. Um, I'm sure they have plenty of money, and maybe he just happened to be involved with a lot of chaotic world events or whatever, you know, uh, yep. Napoleonic Wars and all that. And I think the anti-Semitism things outside of this are just always going to be in conspiracy theories. I don't, I don't know why Phil and I have our own conspiracy theories within the other conspiracy theories about why that is, but who really knows? I don't really think they're controlling the world. I think there's more dangerous people than them who might actually be controlling the world. That's my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really, they have used the fear of the, like, the rich and powerful have used the fear of the other against poor people, poor dumb people forever. So, I mean, it it's not surprising that you see the dumbest and poorest among us really, you know, out there with tiki torches and Confederate flags and shit. So <laughs> tiki torches. You don't remember that shit? The tiki torches? Uh-uh. Oh, you got to watch that shit. Yeah. Okay. I'll it's just the that. saddest grouping of human beings you've ever seen in your entire life. <sighs> Could they not just make a regular torch? Why'd it have to be a tiki torch? I guess it was like fucking five for $10 at fucking Kmart or something. I don't By know. the way, those things are a fucking lie. They do not keep mosquitoes away. I'm just going to say that now. No, they are bullshit. They don't work <laughs> at all. Never uh, have. Uh, anyway, Phil, if someone wants to email us and let us know how they feel about the Rothschilds, where can they do that? Well, they can hit us up, first of all, on our website at www.subliminaldeception.com. There's actually a link in there where you can directly email us. And it's awesome, really good way to get straight to our email. Uh, if you want to hit us up directly on your own email, it's subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, really like hearing from everybody. Also, another great way to get a hold of us directly to the Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. I check it more often than I used to. So I have been getting uh, hit up by a lot of people talking to me about random conspiracy. So thank you for all that, Cody. Yeah, uh, you can follow my personal Instagram at Zabub. Um, follow me. Look at my stories, chat with me, whatever you want to do. Um, the other thing is, if you would like to support the show on Patreon, like Phil mentioned, log on to our website at subliminaldeception.com. There is a direct link to our patron. Otherwise, you can type in patreon.com forward slash subliminaldeception. Check out our audio watch alongs with these documentaries. It is great. If you would like to support us in another way, log on to iTunes, leave the show a five-star review. Preferably written, doesn't really matter what you say, just type horseshit in there for all we care. As long as it's five stars. If you're a Spotify user, just hit the follow button, and that is apparently like their version of five or five stars, I guess. And you always Definitely. be updated. Yeah, you always be updated when we drop a new episode. Otherwise, guys, I hope you all enjoyed it. It's this is a great historical lesson and we learned a lot more than just some crazy man on the internet blabbering about the Rothschilds I think it was great great job Phil thank you yeah the real history behind the Rothschilds is a lot more interesting than the bullshit you know conspiracy theories that really are thrown out there I mean who knows maybe they are behind some wars but really I mean 
you want to talk about self-made man and he actually had a good son who continued the wealth and not some idiot son like you see a lot of the times in these these you know passed down wealth situations yes phil exactly and that is the exact same speech my dad rick gave me otherwise (laughs) (laughs) otherwise guys we will see you next week thanks guys 